The CZ Media Podcast is brought to you by Rancho Bravo Tacos. They make it really easy to get great tasting Mexican food. You can stop by any one of their three convenient locations, Capitol Hill, U District, Wallingford, or you can order through Uber Eats, Caviar, or Chow Now. You can also text RBT to the number 474747 and you'll get deals on tacos, burritos, and more. All of the information is in the show notes. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the CZ Media Podcast. I've been so happy at the consistency that shows have been created and produced. Don't you feel uh, accomplished when you do something consistently, when people are expecting it and produced and they're digging it? Of course, man. Absolutely. Who won it, man? That is the mystery voice. You'll 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 know who that is in a little bit. So part of the show is researching new things, interesting things that you guys might want to hear about. And typically what that means is I do research. And research happens in a variety of different ways. The easiest way is YouTube. When you research stuff, do you go to YouTube first? You know, historically, I went to YouTube, but then there's also Google as well. I mean, but Google helps. takes you to YouTube. It sure does. And it's kind of one combined entity in a way, but it helps having a preconceived notion on what you want to research. So having the tools in the toolbox to actually dig deep into what you actually want to understand is half the battle. Well, that's if you have something specific in mind. That's right. If you're just, if it's two o'clock in the morning, you're not tired. You don't know what's in you. You don't know what's there. Yeah. You'll just pick something completely random, which to me might be the longest ingrown hair. Well, you got bonus points for being up at 2 a.m. in my book. Yeah, I get the you know, Night that, owls unite. That happens a lot, actually. <laughs> I would say that my average going to sleep time is two two thirty three. Yeah, I don't I don't want to divulge my average sleep time. <laughs> no, <laughs> but yeah, I'm definitely a night owl as well. And it's funny how the nighttime tends to bring out the uh, investigations into what you might be interested in. It is, well, it's because we don't have the noise. That's right. It's there's an ambient like quietness. You're not dealing with uh, the hustle and bustle of everyday life. It gives you an opportunity to kind of investigate, or perhaps you could even just, if you have spare time at work, be able to just research something and listen to whatever you need to. Yeah. It's at night. So typically my, uh, post 9 PM pattern is my wife goes to sleep. Like she has to get up early. She has a real job. Yeah. She has to get up early. So by 9.30, 10, forget it. I'm not going to get anything from her. <laughs> so she goes to bed, but I'm still wide awake. So what do I do? I love YouTube. I would say that I watch YouTube uh, 80% versus regular TV 20%. Yeah. And the beauty about YouTube is that you can literally look for and watch stuff that 
is specifically to what you want at that very second. Yeah, and it'll tailor what it thinks you should look at next based on your previous viewing. So this week, I might be interested in photography lighting. Another time, I might be interested in my acrylic art pour art, which I've shown you. Oh, yeah. Go to my Etsy store. I have an Etsy store. This guy's got an amazing photography studio. He's got a wine cooler filled with film. Expensive film. I just, I love, we should talk about this a little bit. And then I know that I'm keeping the audience in suspense because they don't know who the mystery voice is. That's right. I'm going to keep them in suspense just a little bit longer. So when I, I'm old now, but when I was younger, I was a machinist. I made things. I took pieces of metal that had zero shape and I turned them into highly precision machined pieces that worked in all types of machines, both like airplanes in uh, machines that are used to demo buildings that are used to build buildings So I always had something tangible in my hand that I could say, I created this. And then I started working in software and being a sales guy. You don't have that anymore. I didn't have that anymore. And I really missed it. So I really love the aspect of taking materials, whether they be film Instant film, paints, water, canvases, brushes, whatever it could be, and then turn it into something that I real that 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 I made. Cause I didn't have that anymore. But the ability for me to uh watch stuff that I can then do is still there, which puts me into the YouTube black hole. <laughs> Have you been a victim of the YouTube black hole? I've been a victim of the the YouTube black hole for about a good decade. <laughs> yeah, it, easily. And I mean, there's another, uh, there's a few other platforms that have kind of taken me down the rabbit hole, the black hole, the uh, the matrix, red pill, blue pill, the whole conundrum. But YouTube especially has exposed my consciousness to some ideas that never would have that I never would have been exposed to before. And it's interesting because I think we'll talk about this stuff Is later. Is that good or bad? It's a good well, that's what I was gonna say. It if it's good if you know how to control it, right? But it could be bad if maybe you aren't prepared for what you might be shown. Yeah, it that's might true. lead you down to some paths that you go around your everyday life and you're like, yo, dude, this is what I believe in. Yeah. I, like you're it's wrong, like, I'm right. I so I'm gonna crush the, a pap can YouTube over my black hole. Like, I don't want to get too into psychoanalytical stuff. Sure. But you have to have a really good sense of self in order to keep yourself while still experiencing the YouTube, a.k.a. social media black hole. Because you're going to be exposed to so many different ideas, so many different theories, so many different possible 
whether they be fake or real possibilities, you still have to have a really good sense of yourself and a reality of yourself. Otherwise, it's open season on your brain, basically. Exactly. No, that's exactly right. And it, and it, it, I think a lot of people are victims to that. And what's interesting is that a lot of these victims actually have a voice and then they create their own videos and then they attract other people that fall into those videos and it spirals out of control and you get some crazy, crazy things. You theories. get massive crazy things. Yeah, exactly. Like the flat earth, in my opinion. Oh my goodness. <laughs> flat earth. <laughs> We're jumping you know ahead, huh? <laughs> maybe, but I don't, my brain cannot, my brain is far easy. My, my brain makes it far more easy for me to believe that we have a round earth and it would take so much more brain power to, to comprehend a flat earth idea. Yeah, I, I or, just don't understand it. It's either more brain power or more LSD. I'm not sure what <laughs> which one it would be, because I I've think, never taken LSD. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, because I I think, want to though. Really? Well, it's become a lot more or mushrooms. Yeah, let's it, say. Well, you know, there's states that are actually looking at legalizing mushrooms now. I've never taken mushrooms. Really? Yeah, it's a. Uh, I want to though. Yeah. So a huge thing right now, actually, among professionals, is microdosing. Which is That's taking, what I've been reading. Which Silicon is, Valley microdosing. Yeah, which is interesting because it's that is much more of a taboo topic, uh, just because it's dealing with psychedelics. Right. But if somebody goes and they get a prescription for Adderall, that is like a much more acceptable kind of situation. So is Adderall the same as microdosing? I. From what I've understood, uh, it's actually fairly similar in that you really? get a burst of energy. Uh, it helps but, to re release inhibitions and focus on what you're working so on. So I had a friend. I had a friend. They're, they are no longer a friend. But they gave me some Adderall. Yeah. Did nothing. Really? Huh. Nothing. Yeah. Maybe you needed more. That, that might be it. Maybe. <laughs> no, I don't know. <laughs> well, maybe, but it did absolutely zero. Yeah. And I took every day, I took one of these Adderall pills. And they just did nothing. I just. I what mean, about uh, when you take caffeine? You, you, when, you, when you have like a quad mocha, do you feel anything from that? Not really. Really? No. Hmm. Caffeine doesn't really do anything for me. Caffeine yeah. sometimes, like, makes me like I could we're recording kind of late right now would it put you to sleep would we be done I would what, be what? able to go to sleep no problem wow with 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 uh, a cup of coffee wow it just yeah. doesn't do it for me which is what I'm guess why I'm guessing the Adderall doesn't do anything either yeah it could just be uh, uh that's the thing man every person is unique they have their own but I still want to do the mushrooms yeah really I do. Interesting. Well, I mean, you are an artist. So, I mean, I think uh, you might want to start with the microdosing, though. I wouldn't go straight into the... Uh, but the thing is, is you're old enough to where, like, your <laughs> your mind could handle it. Like, imagine most most people that when they first do mushrooms, like, they're super young. And they're, like, dancing with bushes. 
like by some <laughs> railroad with the train going by and, a, and like a blazing fire. Even now in 2019? I think so. Okay. Kids are still shotgunning beers. That's so funny. They're when still I hear, sneaking into places. Yeah. When I hear mushrooms, you know, I think, you know, like 1970. Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is, is Silicon Valley, uh, this area here, uh, microdosing is definitely like the, the thing that, from what I understand, it's supposed to help you get in the zone. Hmm. And like people talk about flow states. And as an artist, you want to get in a flow state where you're actually so focused on your work that time kind of ceases to exist until you complete what you're doing. That sounds so beautiful. Yeah. It sounds like, it sounds like the perfect thing. It does. Yeah. And, uh, but what are what are some of the downfalls and pitfalls of that stuff? I think with microdosing, it's so new. Like they, they don't know like what some of the long term effects of that is. But do we know what the long term effects of anything are really? It's hard to it's hard to say. I mean, you have arguments from both sides. From just anybody that has a voice can come out and say, "Oh well, I researched this. I have this evidence." They'll cherry pick certain things sure. and then tell you what they think. Yeah. And it's your job to kind of figure out where you fit. Personal responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think if you have your life together and you have certain goals, you have a job that needs to get done, whether it be for yourself as a self-employed individual right. or for a company. Uh, it just, it's, you need to be able to come through on what you promised. You so it should your, be a tool. It should be a tool. Right. You know, I'll, uh, in this Netflix YouTube dark hole, this dark hole led me to watching Mad Men again. Okay. I haven't seen that show actually. Ever? No, that's the show that's uh, set in the 70s, right? No, in the 60s. 60s, 60s, 70s. Okay. All right. Gotcha. So let's introduce our guest today. Sure. We've talked for, uh, for over 10 minutes and <laughs> people still don't know who you are. I've I want this show to be Seattle and people that live in Seattle, people that work in Seattle, people that consider themselves Seattleites. So I've reached out to lots of people that I think fit that bill. And one of them is my buddy, Travis. Hey, Travis. What's up, man? What's up, Carlos? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. We're talking to my buddy, Travis. My buddy, Travis, is one of the most interesting people that I know. He is a musician. You know what? I'll even say that you are into art based off of your professional experience. Mm -hmm. So let's do the musician part first. Sure. Where does the musician part fall in? Yeah, the musician part is something that actually, uh, you know, I kind of discovered a little bit later in life. Yeah. Uh, and part of that was just kind of the circumstances of who my friends were. Hmm. So one of my really good friends, Arthur Peach, who you happen to know. I do. Has. Who abandoned us. Who He's living in Panama. For a Central American he, he comes, lifestyle. He, he comes back, though. I know, like, he hasn't even... I haven't even seen him once since he's, oh, really? he's well, been he, back. He, he makes his appearances, but they're like in Fleeting. for a couple of days and then understood. Yeah. 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 But so Arthur, uh, he had a house in North Seattle 
uh, kind of by 145th and 15th by Jackson Golf Course, North Seattle area Ooh, directions. This definitely will make yeah. it a Seattle-centric podcast. Yeah, we got to do that. We got to make sure that that hits home. Right. But Arthur, when he bought his house uh, from a coworker of his, uh, he happened to have a uh, facility in his backyard. And that backyard was used originally, from what I understand, uh, was for mechanical purposes for like building a plane. But also this person that owned Building that a plane. Yeah. Like a little, like an aircraft. Cause the, the guy that lived there was a drummer, but also was into building and he converted that into a recording studio. And I believe he so moved, a recording studio slash like, plane hanger. Well, I wouldn't even, yeah, I, I would call it more of like a shop. And uh, it, coincidentally, your past guest, Evan Peterson now lives in this property and uses that particular shop for his art where he does the, his uh, paintings. Right. And- so we'll, th- we'll, uh, we'll do a little bit of a shout out to a few shows ago where I spoke to Evan Peterson. You know, Evan, I'm, am super impressed. Like I just might still, still, even though I've known him for a really long time, I've seen him do his art. I've documented it. I've made a video I still have zero idea how he does what he does. Yeah, it's hard to get inside the brain of a, an it artist. It is really difficult because even though it's simple to just say he takes an image and then does it in reverse, but that does not do it justice at all. It really does not. So you have to go back, listen to that episode, go and see his art because everything that he makes, he makes inside out. And in order for you to get what that process is, you have to see the video. But then see the video, compare it to the art that he actually produces. And I think that a lot of people are going to be as astonished, impressed as I am. Well, anyway. Yeah, no, you're right. And, and just to touch on that for a second, I mean, he's using a, a very, very unique platform. Like a lot of painters will just paint on canvas and there's right. thousands of people that have done that. Sure. And he figured out a way to, to find a new canvas that fits his own personal style and his own personal take on life and then manifest that into just whatever he comes up with. Yeah. And that is a sign of a great artist. Which is glass. And then he also drummed for us <laughs> at some point. And he's a really good drummer. And he's a really good drummer, too. I so. asked him the other day to teach me how to drum. He just laughed at me. Did he? Yeah, he did. Did, he, did you guys uh, pull out some bean cans and some buckets and no, some I uh, chopsticks? No, I have rhythm. No. Well, you, you, you did drum for us for a yeah, little bit. Yeah, horribly. Yeah, it wasn't as bad as you think, but it, it was good. It was, it was, uh, I you, have zero rhythm. You filled a void. You that, know, if, that. if, uh, baby Jesus gave me any rhythm at all, <laughs> I would use it to learn how to salsa. Okay. Yeah. Heck yeah. Yeah. Cause yeah. those dudes get the chicks. No, I've, I've noticed. Actually drummers get chicks too. Yeah. I tried salsa dancing and I just felt like my orthotics just kept getting in the way. Your orthotics. <laughs> <laughs> No, but yeah, salsa dance. I I agree with you there, but the uh, yeah, no, I'm a, I'm a big, I'm a big uh, fan of anybody that is actually able to take any kind of uh, personal inspiration and manifest that into either dancing or art or just whatever medium that they actually decide yeah. to partake in. We need more of that, I think. Yeah, exactly. 
I agree. We need more of that. So this gentleman owned this place. Evan is making art in it. Yeah. Well, and so Arthur originally, so he, we were talking about Arthur. So he basically, he has this place and, uh, in college, Arthur used to have a lot of rock band parties. Like you remember, PlayStation rock band parties? Yeah, PlayStation rock band parties. Okay. And we had enough people that came over there where we were playing rock band and we were doing, I'm not going to lie, we were we were tapping that thing out. We were doing pretty well. And we're like, you know what? Maybe we should move the show over into the recording studio with actual instruments and okay. a microphone. <laughs> and so we kind of started doing this. And then uh, we kind of started realizing that, you know, there might be something there. And then we we talked to Arthur's cousins, Rich and Chris. Right. And started playing music with them. Rich has made a notable absence. Well, no, he's been he's uh, I've been shot at him come out, too. Yeah, but it's, I don't think I'm going to get rich on the show. We're going to get him on the show. We'll get him on the show at some point. It's going to happen. All right. We'll just just have faith. Just okay. have faith. That'll if, work. If the dude from Topeka, Kansas can drill down into YouTube and find uh, some truths in Flat Earth, we can get Rich Todd <laughs> on uh, on the on the CZ Media podcast. We will do it. But what I was going to say about that is the last piece was adding a drummer, which is always a challenge in a band. Right. And we had numerous drummers. But essentially, we were able to form a band and start writing our own music. And it just kind of snowballed into where we practiced once a week. We started writing songs, and then we started playing live shows, and we played for four or five years. And then eventually, Arthur, uh, as we... Wait, what did you do in this band? I was the lead singer. And, and I assisted in, on you. And assisted in some songwriting, Yeah. Yeah. Who are the main it. songwriters, if you said assisted in? Yeah, I, I would say so, but I have a lot of respect for uh, musicians that are able to write specific, just innovative things to their particular instrument. So guitar mm. players, bass players, like I see value in every single one of those pieces. And Evan said this on, the pa on a past podcast, that the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. And that was like one of the things that really rang true to me. Right. Because for I think the sign of a really good artist is one that like self critiques quite a bit. And I think you doubt yourself on if you're really good or not. Well, you should. And you should because you got to be self critical. But also there's there's kind of this insecurity that is there uh, that it's like, am I good enough? Will people actually want to listen to this? Yeah. When, especially when you're writing original music. <laughs> or recording a podcast. Or recording a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. Look, we're, we got... You know, so I'm going to deviate here. That's I fine. hate the sound of my voice. I really do. See, I think you sound great. I think my voice sounds idiotic. It sounds stupid. It doesn't sound nearly as cool as it sounds in my head. Really? Well... But considering the growth of this channel over the past uh, few months. I'm, I think I'm doing something right. Yeah. I think I'm doing something right. And I'm hopefully it, it's all stemming from the fact that I am talking. I'm just talking. Yeah. This isn't people who listen to the show. It's not, you can tell it's not scripted. 
Well, we're having. I'm having tequila. What do you got in yours? I've got vodka in mine. Yeah, and we're a few. We're a couple in. Yeah, but I don't script, <clears throat> and like I really do want this to be about Seattle people. So when you said the addresses, like that's that's exactly what I want. Yeah, that's that awesome. Super exactly. There's what a I lot want. of talent in this area, and it's it's like uh, the microcosm of America itself, and that it's it's a melting pot. You have so many companies here that that staff based on a contract basis. So you have people coming in and out. And then a lot of the times people just stay because they love it. Yeah. And uh, you end up with like this leftover conglomeration of just really talented people. And then sometimes those talented people come together and they form new things. Right. And then those things become like Amazon or whatever. You know, like you just get crazy stuff that happens from just this geography. Right. Yeah. Well, you're the musician part of you, as I mentioned in the introduction, was singer, songwriter, part of a band, Straight Red. Yeah. I think that the listeners may have heard some Straight Red on the show. I think I've used some of your music before. We'll definitely have to put it into this show. Yeah, I hope so. That would be awesome. I definitely will because you guys did some really, really good stuff. And. I hope that there's a reunion tour. Oh, I hope so too, man. A nice little reunion. That would be super cool. Yeah. How cool would that be? Maybe we should kidnap Arthur and then only return him to his wife in Panama after he plays a show with us. That's not a good idea. Let's, you can cut that. No. <laughs> I was more thinking of how about we document, like we make this, what's that, uh, Rob Reiner? documentary that he made in the 80s oh and he kidnapped somebody to no, get some with, with the music i'm not sure oh where he's like yeah i can turn the volume up to 11 versus 10 <laughs> does that ring a bell i think so, a little bit but something straight why don't i know this okay i have to look this up rob reiner it is like the it's like a, a a fake documentary about a band. That yeah, doesn't I, ring a bell? No, it doesn't for me. Oh. Okay. Well, anyway, let's let's table that for a second. So, the artist part of Travis your GIS GIS your GIS career to me is pretty much the artist part of you. Yeah, that that would be an aspect of it. It's interesting because with the uh, the education and geography and GIS, which is well, geographic. What's GIS? Yeah, I was going to say. So that's geographic information systems. So yeah. the best way to kind of think about that, a lot of people know about what databases are, in particular like SQL databases where you can do a structured query language. You could kind of, if you have a question about, okay, how many people live on the second floor of this building that are of Middle Eastern descent? Or it's just some crazy super, like query that you need. Yeah, you know, super specific bits of you can data dr- that you, you need. You can drill down into a data, and actually, that's uh, that ties into the idea to the to the idea of big data. Uh, and there's a lot that goes into big data that drives our economy and our governments and everything today. But GIS is geographic information system. So it's that same database entity, 
but there's a spatial component that that is married to all that data. So it takes any kind of useful information and it kind of geolocates that. So the easy way to think about this is like the GPS device that you use to navigate yourself to a particular location is using road networks. Uh, it's placing you in a geography using like water polygons or an elevation uh, data set that will tell you kind of your elevation. All that stuff ties into a geographic information system. And basically, the backbone of that is a projection, which is taking the round Earth and projecting that data onto a flat plane. And so that, that is kind of the backbone of anybody that gets into a GIS degree. And I should also mention that any kind of local city government has a GIS department that manages a lot of their city assets, where their street signs are, uh, all that stuff. But all that... So what that means is that what you're creating is the visual representation of what everything looks like. Exactly. Right. In a readable form and typically on maps. Right. That That's like really the, you know, when you, anybody that gets into GIS, they start out by like the, uh, my, my first professor showed up to our class wearing a Merlin costume, like a wizard costume. Okay. Because he was like, maps are like wizard magic type of thing. Like he came into this room strutting his stuff. He actually got fired from the University of Washington for hitting on some girls, but that's kind of a different thing. <laughs> in his wizard costume. Yeah. He was so comfortable in his surroundings in his wizard costume. He would just fart. Like he would, he wouldn't even care. Like he would know there, he wouldn't even break his like facial expression. He would just bust ass and it would be okay. And that's frowned upon. In, in, in a, well, in a classroom, that might be frowned upon. Well, when you're paying tens of thousands of dollars for yeah, You don't want to hear this dude fart. You don't, you know, especially when you're like asking a question about how this complicated software works. Right. And you're like, you, come on, man, I got to graduate. <laughs> and you're sitting here just soiling your pants. Yeah, but <laughs> this, <laughs> yeah, but this, essentially though, G, uh, GIS is like, it can just be used in a lot of different uh, factors. And so professionally for myself, I used it to help create environments for flight simulator product products. Okay. Yeah. So, f so flight simulator, Microsoft flight simulator. Yeah. So if people remember flight simulator is a extremely realistic way for you to be in a plane, fly it, with very realistic control over the controls. Exactly. And at the same time, have very, very realistic views of the terrain that you're flying over. Exactly. And also instrumented systems as well for the airports themselves. So you could either use VFR flying, which is visual flight reference, or instrument uh, flying. Yeah. So you could actually fly in a dense fog and still land yourself on a runway at a particular airport. So the GIS part of it was the terrain. The terrain, uh, actually building the airports themselves, dealing with all the data that goes into it. That even can mean like the type of fuel that's at an airport or the type of communications that you'd need to tune into to be able to land your right. aircraft. Uh, also, uh, you know, making sure Mount Rainier is in the right spot, making sure the Space Needle is in the right spot. So you work primarily with the terrain part of it. Right. To making sure that what you're flying over looks like, behaves like what you're flying over. Yeah. And in today's world, essentially what you could do is 
you would be able to fly over a particular place. There would be a notification that would show you what your latitude and longitude and elevation is. And you could even go into like Google Earth and you could match that up with those particular reference points and it'll match up. Right. And But at the same time, you're dealing with realistic flight physics. And that's kind of the secret sauce that a lot of the... Uh, inst- uh, the the professional pilots look for when they're actually trying to obtain their pilot's license. So you can you can see the value of simulators are oh, extremely absolutely. important because you don't want to just train somebody fresh and have them just fly into a like you know a cow patch or something like that. No, you you know it's, it helps to actually have these. Uh, no, there's these, definitely a industry benefit to having realistic simulators. Yeah, I think. W- what happened is, you know, there's such a run on like immersive fun games. And the thing with flight simulator is it's not really fun for the average person. So it's so specific and it almost runs into the situation where you're marketing to somebody that's like, I'm going to build a $30,000 virtual cockpit in my, uh, my home office and then tune it up, you know, and that's kind of what it became. And that's kind of a, uh, I think in the long run, even though it's not being produced right now, so Flight Simulator is dead for anybody that doesn't know. You have to go <laughs> well, back. Well, you can probably get a the latest, copy of it somewhere. You can get a copy of it somewhere, but it's it's going to be a little bit outdated. It's not as good as it could be. Yeah. I'll just say that. And part of that is because the there isn't a value on realism as much as there is on fun right, right. now when it comes to video games. Well, it's like... It's categorized as a game. Right. It's a serious game. It's a serious game. And then what I've noticed in games lately is that there's an arcade version versus a... Like an enterprise type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Versus a not arcade version of it. Actually, I have a flight simulator on my phone that... uh, Let's see, what is it called? I'm looking at my phone right now. It's called Airline Commander. I've never heard of that. (laughs) It's called Airline Commander. And actually, on my old iPhone, it would crash it. Really? It wouldn't work. Interesting. So I have this fancy new uh, iPhone. What's it called? 10. Oh, you got the best one. I've got the best iPhone. And it crashes it. They need more testers. (laughs) No, it crashed it on my old, old one. Oh, I see. So the old, like, it took me forever to get a new phone. It would crash my iPhone 6. That's a big jump. iPhone 6 to 10? I know. I had my iPhone 6 for a really long time. You upgraded. I did. And it doesn't crash this phone now, but basically, it's a simulator where you're on a plane, you have your controls, X knots go up, uh... Landing gear up, landing gear down. But what you're seeing, and I'm sure that they're getting this from Google Earth or whatever, what you're seeing down below is the scenery that you're getting from from that. So it's pretty yeah. it's pretty realistic. Interesting. Yeah. So so you did a ton of that. You did a lot of that. So he's an expert at GIS, which means that he's all about terrain topography that, i would say that's one one aspect of what my what my uh, uh skills would be right so yeah. we got 
the the artistic band lead singer. We got the artistic GIS part of it. But we still got to bring this back to the to the crux of the uh, conversation, to the right? Crux of this conversation, <laughs> where where people like you and I, like I am not nearly an expert as you are in any of these things. Like I'm not a singer. I like to take pictures. I like to make videos. But your level of of expertise in what you're doing exceeds mine. But I think that we're similar in the fact that we get. I would I would say this we get ideas from watching lots of other stuff. Yeah, I think you have to. You gotta Ob- you gotta draw inspiration from observing. Yeah, I mean I think a big part of this conversation is being open minded. To learn anything, you have to be open minded, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Because if you're not, then you're kind of stuck, right? And this is one of my favorite sayings. One of my favorite sayings is, what do I know? <laughs> well, that's a good way to humble yourself, right? I wish more people would actually say that. It's like, what do, like, literally, what do I know? Like, I don't know anything. Could you imagine if you're driving down the road and instead of somebody flip, flipping you off, they go, you know what? What do I know? Imagine no road rage because of that. That would be fantastic. Yeah, because at that point, you look at that person and you're like, okay, he doesn't know. <laughs> Let's go from there. Right. Yeah. Like, I, what do I know? Like, I almost called this podcast. I almost titled this podcast. What do I know? Yeah. Because I don't know anything. And I don't assume to know anything. I don't think I know anything. I am perfectly okay with people educating me on whatever it is that they're talking to me about because what do I know? Well, what's interesting is when we're searching for that question, what do I know? We oftentimes will run into videos on YouTube or whatever medium that you're looking at and you'll find videos that will have people that claim they know what they know. Right. Right. And so that can kind of lead into some of these topics where there's some dudes like Giorgio Sukulos from Ancient Aliens with that wild hair. He aliens. Knows, he knows what he knows because it's aliens. And then we also have a lot of these flat earthers that they know what they know because there's a flying turtle with the earth on its back. Right. Do you comprehend this flat earth thing? I, you know, I think you gave me some alcohol going into this because you knew that I might bite this microphone off the stand if we were going to talk but about flat here's earth. the thing. I don't comprehend it Like why all. Why people are into it. I well, think no. I, it's like, okay, contrarians, they're going to be every single generation, every single demographic has a contrarian. Okay. They're going to have someone that just says, no, the sky is not blue. no. It is not uh, left, it's right. But when it comes to the flat earthers, I just don't come, my, I just don't get it. Okay, I think I have an idea. Do you? Of what, okay. of, of like why they get it. And I think it's actually really sad. And let's, let's take a brief break. Okay, sure. 
We're going to listen to one of our sponsors and then we'll be right back and then talk about this nuttiness of flat earth and maybe some other stuff. Sure. I love it. Should we get in some some alien stuff too? We oh, absolutely. All right. We'll be right back. When I needed updated content for my small business website, I was worried because I didn't have a very large marketing budget. But then I found Carlos at CZ Media. He gave me a budget-friendly quote and delivered the high-quality content I was looking for. I would recommend you check him out. All of his information is in the show notes. And we are back. So... (laughs) Uh, I don't know about you, Travis, but when I get into these YouTube dark holes, I get into some crazy conspiracy theory stuff. Yeah. Is that what you, is that what happens with you? Yeah. I I think at this point, like I target like what I want to look at and then I just like ravenously search until I can find what satisfies that thirst. But YouTube brings me these things. Yeah. Like, I don't think I'd searched, like, I've never once You've searched. never gotten that deep? Like, like, I don't think I've ever searched 9-11 conspiracy. Yeah, that is another ball game right there. I've never searched moon landing conspiracy. Yeah. I've never searched flat earth conspiracy. Well, you're fortunate for that last one. Is there any, I got a question for you real quick. Is yeah. there anything... Like any conspiracy theory that you've looked at, I mean, I know a lot of this is entertainment and I think for a lot of people it is. Yeah. But is there anything that you're like, you know what? I think I kind of actually believe in this conspiracy because there are, I don't know. Well, there, there are examples in history of where conspiracies have turned out to be true. Like, Like what are we talking about conspiracy though? Are we talking about JFK? Are we talking about moon landings, aliens? So the, the term conspiracy is loaded in and of itself. Like in order for something to be a conspiracy, there's gotta be somebody on the other end that has something to gain for it to be a conspiracy in the first place. Otherwise, like, for example, like since we've talked about flat earth, like what do people have to gain by, concealing that the earth is flat well for okay are you knowledgeable about flat earth i i'm knowledgeable enough to know that it's not a flat earth if if that's what you're asking see it's hard for me to understand why people believe in the flat earth because all you have to do is look at a lunar eclipse to know that the earth isn't flat right and not only that but if you go to the midwest where you can see miles of flat and then you can see a curvature yeah where like that that's i just my brain just can't comprehend it because there's people that aren't from that locale that that might not be experiencing that or look at apollo 11 footage as it's going up into space right this is we're talking about 1960s it's gonna be hard to fake that right but you know what I, I will I sort of think so. Yeah. I, I, I tend to think, I mean, I know we're jumping around a little bit with it, but like if we could put a bow on the flat earth thing for just a quick second, I kind of wonder if some of these people are just trying to piss off Elon Musk to hitch a free ride to space. Maybe. 
you know what I mean? Like to just get up there. Yeah. Like, and be like, I, okay, I want to go to space. Maybe I can piss these. It's almost like the kid that like, you know what? Cause they're going to charge like what? Three, 400 K to go up there right now. Vacations in space are only the upper 1% are going to be able to do in the future. Like, I would, I would say the upper 0.001% as of now. Yeah. You know, like and that's only virgin. Oh yeah. Richard Branson. Yeah. Yeah. Those guys. So, I mean, a lot of these people, I, I fully support them blasting themselves off oh, into the yeah. atmosphere because actually that's kind of natural selection taking play right there. Um, I mean, why don't we have a Concord? This is the question that I ask. Why don't we have a Concord? Are you telling me that we're going to have people blasting off into outer space, but we don't have a Concord that can take us to Germany in a couple hours? Well, the, the high speed, the high speed flights are coming as well. So that's going to be interesting. I don't know. Elon Musk, he's got it handled. Unless Does that he, make sense to me, to you, though, my argument here? Yeah. I. Well, as far as how it impacts flat Earth. Or just travel in general. Yeah. Well, I think there's a lot of different ways that we're trying to handle travel right now. And a lot of when I say we, I mean <clears throat> Elon Musk with his underground tunnels and his and just the Hyperloop and all I that stuff. I love that, dude. Yeah. So did you. So I read a book. I read a book about Elon Musk, about basically his autobiography. And where he was made, like what, what factory <laughs> or what planet. <laughs> like would, I don't see how he's a real person considering he operates on like, I work on 0.75 hours sleep. So there's a book called Elon Musk, Tesla, SpaceX, and the... Oh, you can tell that I'm, uh, oh, and the, uh, so Tesla, SpaceX and the quest for a futuristic future. So it is a Elon biography written by Ashley Vance. Have you read, have you heard of this book? I haven't. No, I, I read it twice. Wow. And I've told my friends that this book has made me feel like the absolutely most useless, useless, dumbest, unnecessary being on earth. I don't know if I want to read this book then, if it's going to make me feel that. It, is, it made me feel so dumb. Yikes. Because he's so brilliant. Yeah, he is super smart. Right. So in my brain, him being so brilliant, of course, has to like cause an effect. Him being so brilliant and smart made me feel like a complete numbskull, like nothing. Like I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm a child. I wouldn't feel that, though, because if you think about it through the history of humanity, there's always like this rare person that happens where they end up having like this epiphany that completely changes the world. And Elon Musk looks like he might be one of those people. He's definitely trending in that direction. Yeah. Hopefully he can keep going because he's able to think of things and finance things 
that circumvent like a lot of red tape that happens in government. Yeah. And it helps to push us forward. So this was the turning point in this. So if you read this book, like you should definitely read this book. Yeah. You got to text me the, uh, the title again yeah. after this. So the turning point in this book was that when Elon uh, decided to speak, to start SpaceX, he knew he needed a rocket. Want to go to space? Need a rocket. So the first thing that they did was try to buy one. And who do you go to when you can buy off-the-shelf sp- rockets and space stuff? You go to the Russians. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> they have zero control over this stuff. <laughs> like, you can go to, to, a gen- to a Russian general and was like, hey, I want to buy what you have. They sold it. So the book talks about how Elon took tons of meetings with Russian generals and that he got really frustrated because they wanted to get really drunk. They wanted to drink and eat before a meeting, but never really talk business, maybe because they never really intended to do business, but they just entertained the fact that some American slash South African dude wanted to do business with them. So then he in the book, he talks about the last meeting that he had with them where it was a complete disaster, but the Russians gave him a part list of what a rocket is composed of. That's it? That's, that's all they gave him? That's what they gave. He got that. But he didn't get an actual rocket. He didn't get a rocket. He got a parts list. And in the book, he talks about him being on the plane back to the U.S., reading this part list, right? Okay. Um, so it's a part, I mean, it's a part list, yeah. meaning O-rings, gears, motors. That's like getting an instruction manual for some sort of... It's like getting a list of everything that your engine is made of. But Rocker not, arms, yeah. seals, cylinders manifolds and he talks about him looking at this part list and saying you know what i can make that yeah the balls on this guy yeah yeah and and he's taking that part list and he's like this isn't good enough we need it to be better absolutely yeah because we want to take that place and turn it into something that which is repeatable Because he knew that he ultimately wanted to have these reusable rockets. Right. So he looked at this and like you really like I I truly need to send you this book because Elon was part of the writing of this book. So it's not a unauthorized part of it. It's pretty incredible if you think about it to actually launch a rocket and then land it again. Like I can't believe that. You know, I have all these goals about like where I wish humanity would achieve in my lifetime just so I can see it, you know, but like I never even considered that we could like launch a rocket and just like land it back on Earth. Like, And not only land it back, but land it on a specific platform that is somewhere out in the middle of the ocean. Yeah. 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 It's it's pretty incredible. But this is how this is how I don't want to I don't know if the correct term is cynical or just jaded that humans are the first time that I heard 
that Elon was creating these usable rockets. I'm like, like, like usable rockets. Like, what is, what, what is that? And I didn't really pay attention to it. And then, you know, I came across a headline that said Elon made this rocket that could land itself back on a platform. And then I saw a video and then I'm like, oh my goodness. Well, it's essential to be able to do that in, in order to actually carry payloads to Mars and then return and then to be able to build onto a colony that you start there. It's actually something that is a kind of a, a prerequisite. It's a building block. It's starting point. Yeah, it's it's incredible. And I hope he actually achieves it. I mean, we'll see if if anyone gets in his way. I hope not. I don't think so. So the book, I mean, again, yo, I want you to read the book because the book talks about how <clears throat> Boeing and um, the other big... Probably Lockheed Martin. Lockheed. Yeah. They just do one-offs. It's like... If the government wants me to throw this up into space, I am going to charge them $50 million done. And I'm going to throw whatever they want into space. Where Elon is saying, and I may be completely incorrect with the numbers here, where Elon is saying, is like, okay, I'm going to charge you $20 million to throw this up into space. But then I'm going to land this sucker back down. And then I'm going to use it again when you want to throw something else up into space. <laughs> Whereas Boeing and Lockheed is saying 50 and then you're done and then another 50 and then another 50. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, uh, the private entity going into space is such a more efficient way of doing things because one of the things that we found here on Earth, not necessarily in space, is competition drives innovation. Oh, absolutely. So you could imagine what that might mean for space, especially with the amount of resources that are that are actually out there and that's yet to be explored. I mean, the asteroid belt in general, there's actually a, uh, a company in Redmond, Washington, just in, even in this location, we talk about focusing on the, the Northwest here a little bit. There's a, a company called Planetary Resources that actually uh, is, they're financed based on a lot of futures for asteroid mining. For actually identifying asteroids <laughs> that are worth billions, trillions of dollars. Are they going to send Bruce Willis up there? There's a Bruce or <laughs> yeah, or Bruce Willis clones. We'll see. We'll see what ends up happening. Right. But maybe Aerosmith can play the theme song to that too. But we'll I see. Don't wanna miss a thing. Yeah, it's gonna bust out into a rock session here. Heck yeah. <laughs> That's funny. That is nuts. It is. It's it's pretty crazy. I, I can't wait to see what happens. I mean, I, I've always, from a very early age, had dreams of, like, our species going to Mars and branching off into whatever else it ends up being. I mean, that that's a whole nother conversation. But the idea of actually, like, because currently we're all here on Earth. And if a giant asteroid comes and we can't ruin it or we can't deflect it, we're all toast. But it's nice that we could actually potentially be able to, like, spread our seeds, so to speak, to branch out. Like the Martian? Yeah, like the Martian. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, I, it just be, but that's that's the tip of the iceberg. I mean, if we can get past this, this phase of humanity where we're so indulged in war and self-destruction and egotistical, self-centric ways of thinking and can actually get through that to where we can kind of branch out like i'm really excited to see hopefully i live long enough to be able to see us do that i think we're part of that generation 
the last generation that could be the only earthbound generation, which would be really, really cool. I don't I, know. I, you don't think so? <sighs> it's tough it's, because, it's hard, yeah. Th- so, um, back 20 years ago, 30 years ago, you had a bunch of kids that were super pumped into seeing a rover, uh, you know, racing across the moon. Yeah. And then building a car that could go on the moon. Because space travel is so, I mean, come on. It's a 20-year-old a is like, you know what? You know, Elon is going. He only worked there. He only worked for, you know, eight years to get there and he got there. I think that it's going to take a huge marketing campaign to get kids interested in space again in order for a lot of these long-term space goals. So would you say that a way to do it would be to almost video game gamify the space so imagine you actually send these rovers say let's just use mars for example you have the right now we're sending uh rovers to mars to dig into the soil to see like what uh, if life is underneath there if water ran well we kind of already know that water's actually run there in the past but they, they want to know like is there groundwater what is going on at, at mars right now but yeah. imagine did you uh pay attention to this opportunity rover that was in mars the one that's been there for a while well it's yeah. dead now yeah, but that's okay. I mean, we're we're still moving forward with with uh, with newer rovers. But what I wanted to mention though is the advent of AR and VR. And imagine that you send a rover to Mars, and that same kid that they may or may not be interested could actually experience what it's like to actually be on Mars. Well, no, but Would they it's be more than that then? though. And that we're completely deviating now. But if I believe that a rover is a separate demo graphic than space travel. Really? Yeah. Because the rover is going to be a kid that is into cars, first of all. Like, he's going to have to dig cars. You mean somebody that would control the rover? No. To build a car. He, the, I believe that the kid that is going to design the next a generation of rovers. Okay, I see what you're saying. Is going to be someone who's going to want to put a V8 engine into a small car or he's going to want to modify <clears throat> an existing vehicle into something else to then be able to say, "You know what? I can take the skills that I have and then put them into something that's going to be an awesome vehicle in space." And I, I think that that's a that's that's going to be harder to come by. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, and a lot of the. Uh, I'll, I'll interrupt you for a bit. Oh yeah, and no worries. The reason that I believe this is because Top Gear. Did, did you ever watch Top Gear? <laughs> it's been a bit, but <laughs> I love Top Gear. Top Gear, like Top Gear, best automotive show ever. Those James James May did this spectacular short film on how he felt when the original Mars rover 
went to the moon <clears throat> and how there's going to be a bit of a disconnect between how that generation felt about vehicles versus current generation feels about vehicles. Interesting. Yeah, I when I the way I look at the vehicles, I see the the purpose of those is kind of taking an inventory of what's around us to produce information that will help us either go there in person, which I think is probably what we will do. Hmm. But it's really right now we're just trying to gather what's there because we have a lot of theories about what's there. But yeah, we don't I mean, really know. We don't even know what's at the bottom of our oceans. I mean, and aside from that, it's like what if in within the next five years we develop a battery that's going to be good for a hundred years? Well, that that's another topic. I mean, will the will the government allow that? You know, it's like, like right. <laughs> there's like there's just so many things. But I guess where I'm coming from is that the people that you want designing this stuff is the people that are going to be passionate about it. Yeah. And I just, I just don't see kids passionate about vehicles. You see them being passionate about Instagram. Yeah. You got to feed into the ego, man. Like that's that's where the money is. And so it's it's a given uh, that there's far less people that are. When I was 16, I was dying to get my license. Like well, now, I don't I don't know if that's changed. It has <laughs> really. Yeah, it has. You don't have kids dying to get their license anymore because they know that anywhere they want to go is a, you know, $10 Uber right away. So they're dependent on them being self-sufficient and their travel is a lot less. Interesting. So that's what I'm saying. Those, those people do like, they're not going to be wanting, they're not going to be interested in designing the next way the next version of vehicles that are going to be on Mars or Venus or anywhere else. Yeah, it takes us. So where is that going to come from? It takes a, uh, a special person. That's why Elon is so special. Yeah. Yeah, it's, 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 it's hard to find that. I mean, you're not just going to find that with everyday people, for sure. It's, it's going to take, you know, there's a unique circumstance. Like, that's the beauty of life. I mean, it, depending on your, your upbringing and your surroundings, it produces what you end up be, being interested in. And uh, to actually produce an individual that can help push us further into space, I don't know what that looks like. Uh, and I'm, I'm actually surprised that Elon Musk is even a thing, like that he actually exists. Like it just blows me away that what he's actually able to come up with. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I feel he like he's worth, with the devil. He's like, he's like 20 of the smartest people combined into one. One an amalgamation. Yeah. Created in a lab. I just, uh, yeah, that he is one special human being. Yeah. He still needs to learn how to smoke weed right, though. (laughs) I don't think he does. No, that's a lot of people (laughs) thought he might have been a a robot after that. (laughs) And then he got in trouble, too. Yeah, the Air Force is like, we got to, yeah, we got to reassess whether he can be part of this or not. I I think he's fine. He'll he'll be fine. I'm sure he'll find a a way to deal with it. He's fine after all. I mean, I. When I, I'm assuming that we're talking about him smoking pot on the Joe Rogan podcast. Yeah, yeah. When I, I saw that live. Yeah, did I, you I see, did too. Did you see that live? Yeah, I happen like, to, I happen to watch Joe Rogan at times at work. I got, yeah. Well, th- that particular episode didn't happen till late at night. 
Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. It happened later in the evening. And uh, I have it set up so that I get the notifications when he's on live. And I don't know, it was like six or yeah. six or so, six or seven o'clock. And I got this message that Elon, that Joe was on with Elon and I turned it on right away. And I pretty much, I pretty much watched the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. Pretty much all of I it. I think I caught the beginning of it and then, uh. Yeah, I, I I did catch the rest later. It's 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 hilarious, but yeah, no. But he, when he took that, like they were drunk by the time that the weed came out. Yeah, they were drinking whiskey. But when I saw him puff on that, I'm like, he's never smoked this. He's never, <laughs> he's never even smoked a cigarette in his life. He might actually get eight hours of sleep if he inhaled that. Maybe for the first time in like ten years. You need to read that book. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. Because time's, time management <clears throat> is a huge part of that book. Yeah, I need to send that to you. Okay. Perfect. Uh, but I, I love that episode. Uh, he's a he's a one in three lifetime individual. I'll put Bezos there. I'll put Jobs there. I'll put Gates there. Yeah, I mean, a lot A lot depends on, like, what he ends up doing from here. I mean, he's already done a lot, but it, it's real. It'll be – he's still young, so uh, – and I'm he's sure that barely he's – 40-something. And I'm sure he's trying to find a way to uh, preserve his consciousness in some computer when he gets old and decrepit. And I'm sure <laughs> he's probably has some people working on anti-aging for him as well. Probably. Like, he's, he's fine. Probably I, doing that blood doping. He's – yeah, I actually – I. I don't think that people, first of all, people should not be taking the blood of like 17 year olds and pumping it through their body. First of all, there's other ways of that. Only 17 year olds, virgins, maybe. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Possibly, possibly. But who knows? I wouldn't put it past Elon. I mean, he he needs to be around. We were supposed to talk about aliens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now we're talking about like blood. So (laughs) should we talk about aliens? Yeah, let's do it. Let's get into it. We've got time. We got time. We got. I don't time. care if this is a two-hour podcast. That's all right. I think this is a topic that everybody wants to listen to. You know, like everybody wants to be able to discuss aliens. Well, I think even I, if they don't I realize think it, I think we definitely have to have you back. But we need to. Uh, we need to talk about this alien stuff. So the first part of this. What I wanted to do is say that, first of all, Travis is a creative dude. And then he has a technological GIS aspect of it. So he's sort of been part of this, I don't know, what do you want to call it? Spectrum? Sure, yeah. I've been called a dichotomy by a lot of people. Yeah, he's been part of this spectrum. So it's not like I'm just talking to someone who's like, hey, what do you think of aliens? It's yeah. like, no, it's like someone who's studied terrain and space and yeah, and uh, what we look like from outer space and what space looks like to us. He's, he's pretty involved with that. Uh, but what I wanted to start with was when I was in high school, I wrote a paper that was based around the, what did I say was? The Blue. Oh, Project Blue Book. Project Blue Book. Yeah. Yeah, Project Blue Book. Roswell. And it centered around Roswell. So Mm -hmm. that was my 
I don't know. I don't know what it was. It was a paper you wrote. It was a paper that I wrote. Yeah. And I got all this information from the library. Like I had to go to the library. I got to say how old I am. Yeah. I'm not even did, that old. You didn't You didn't hit up the Dewey Decimal System, though, did I you? Did. Oh, you did. Heck yeah, I know what yeah. the Dewey Decimal yeah, System that's, is. That's a... Uh, that's I'm a, old. That's an attribute word that is worthless <laughs> right now, but that's all right. Is it? I don't. Uh, you know what? I, no, it's not. You've translated those skills to other things. We'll if just you say go, that. If you go to the Seattle Public Library and you know it? the Dewey Decimal System, you'll no. know what you're doing. Do you think you get a date with the uh, with the librarian? Maybe. With the hairnet? I hear that if they're If you're hot. like Dewey's Decimal System, I know that. I know that stuff. I hear that they... Uh, <laughs> I haven't heard that. I hear that they're mega freaky. <laughs> oh, that's funny. So you were at the library and you were uh, you were checking out Project Blue. I was in the library in Aurora, Illinois, looking for books that uh, covered the Project Blue. Blue book. Blue book. Yeah. Although, so this is what I remember, that most of those documents that I got from that were redacted. There was like, it was like everything was blacked out. Yeah. But you still kept going. I did. I wrote like a 10-page paper and it basically said nothing. When you wrote that 10-page paper, you had to hand that into a teacher, right? I did. What happened then? Yeah. What, what did they say to that? I don't know. I don't remember. Yeah, I think good. she's like, I wrote... Like it was handwritten. She was putting rum in her coffee anyways. I don't think she cared. Yeah. I think that she was mega surprised that I could get 10 pages out of this. Yeah, that's that's probably was an A in and of itself. It had to have been. Like, this kid's got the longest paper I've here. I don't want to read this. It's about bluebirds. It's about yeah. a bunch of redacted <laughs> statements. It's about a bunch of facts that who knows if they're true or not. Well, but it's, yeah. aliens is such a aliens is such an interesting thing to talk about. Well, so it's interesting because it, the uh, UFO phenomenon really blew up around World War II. Uh, specifically, uh, a lot of the U.S. Uh, uh, fighter pilots saw things called Foo Fighters. You've obviously heard the band. Oh, yeah. But the, the oh, little orbs. The fighters. Yeah, they're good. They're but, my favorite band. Are they? Yeah. But they're basically like these little orbs of light that kind of danced around in the sky. And uh, since then, there's been just kind of a blow up of uh, UFO sightings. And there's been uh, a series of investigative psychiatrists that have investigated uh, uh, alien abductions. There's been just numerous amounts of accounts that span just multiple different topics. In fact, even the one that I was kind of hoping that we could talk about a little bit is the, uh, the translated clay tablets of ancient Samaria by Zachariah Sitchin. Oh, that's like which top the tip of my tongue. Yeah. That, that whole story that actually, not only is that an alien a conspiracy, but that also explains why we're even here. But, we're getting into ancient aliens at that point. We're getting into like how humans were created from monkeys. So, I mean, we're talking about like a huge leap. Yeah. Engineered to mine gold for their planet, Nibiru, which is planet X, which is supposedly on this gigantic 3,600 year old orbit. Given that we're, 
an hour into the show. <laughs> Did I just blow your mind? A little bit. Yeah, I, I think I just I, I went too far right there. That's all right. Let's let's <laughs> probably leave that to the follow-up show. Okay. And then let's just talk about how current current events that might lead to people more curious about aliens like the the like the phoenix lights the phoenix lights well have you heard about the battle of los angeles no that was another one that was a long time ago basically that's like one of the earlier accounts where you have all these it's on ancient aliens where you all these spotlights are pointing up to this particular ufo that the there's a u.s military presence that focused in on this thing it's in the papers and everything like that I mean, there's a lot of confusion at that time. You also had, uh, uh, have you ever heard of the War of the Worlds with Orson Welles before? Oh, yeah. That was just completely, I mean, that was like a old school podcast. Right. That, you know, just making up an alien Oh, that would be so awesome if this podcast caused wide world panic. Yeah, I think people are a little bit more adept to uh, uh, understanding what's fake or not now. But, I don't know. I don't think then, they are. I actually, actually have the vinyl of the fake, original fake War of the news. Worlds. I'll bring one for you. Yeah, that that is original fake news, but it's entertainment too. So it's uh, it's interesting, it's interesting. But yeah, UFOs are. Have you seen a UFO before? No, you have not seen a UFO. I've seen before. ghosts though. You've seen go- really interesting. Tell me about that. I'm I'm curious about. Uh, I'm I'm an open mind here, so I'm kind of curious about about that. Um, UFOs. Have I seen a UFO? No, I've never seen a UFO. But when I was a kid, one of my close cousins passed away, and I, I I don't know. I must have been. I could probably find out exactly how old I was, but I'm guessing I was 12, maybe 12, 13. <clears throat> this is one of my cousins passed away and my aunt and uncle, her parents were at our house and my mom sent me to the store to get some tortillas. Like, like I was a good Mexican kid. You got to go get tortillas. <laughs> and then I went outside. And as I was walking, I was walking down the block. I walked past the car that my aunt and uncle came in, which was my cousin's car. Okay. And I was walking past that. I saw my cousin who had passed away. I saw her in the car. Like in the flesh. Yeah. Wow. I saw her yelling for me, begging me to get her out of the car. Wow. Wow. I remember it like if it was yesterday. It's just, is it just imprinted in your memory? How often do you you actually think about that? I mean, I feel like that would be something that would come up quite a bit. I'm still... I am Facebook friends with two of her sisters. Okay. I don't, I've never told them this. 
are they going to listen to the podcast and find you might want to send them a quick text i don't think they will <laughs> okay i don't think they will but maybe just don't link them to this one <laughs> <laughs> but uh it was a unfortunate passing and i was i was yeah i don't know like i can't explain it yeah. I can't I can't say anything really about it other than the fact that I was walking down our block and then my uncle drove her car parked it on the side and as I was walking past it I saw my cousin banging on the window asking me to help her get out and then of course I was I got scared obviously yeah. and then I ran and then I took a, I took another route back after I bought the tortillas. Wow, wow, that's awesome. That's an awesome story. And the thing is, like, I'm glad that you told that to me because I think you can tell that I'm open minded to something like that. To hearing that, yeah, yeah. Uh, but does that mean that I don't know? Does that mean anything? Does it mean anything? Well, it's interesting because, like, when you talk about, I mean, we've been talking about conspiracies a little bit here. Yeah. And uh, this gets into the crux of the problem because Carl Sagan, who's, like, one of the the best kind of a cosmetologist. Everyone loves Carl Sagan. He said, he used to say uh, ex- extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. But you can't sure. always provide evidence for yeah, eyewitness I mean, I can't provide proof of this. All you can do is, like, I know you as a very trustworthy person, and you're not just going to make something up. And I happen to know other people that are close to me that also have very fascinating stories that I can't actually talk about because I promised I wouldn't. <laughs> right. <laughs> not yet, at least. Yeah. When you get you another uh, uh, shot at tequila. Yeah, we're going to have to up the, yeah, to, well, I don't know about that. But, yeah, I, I've, I've, I've sworn an oath not to, to divulge some things, but... Fair enough. But what I will say, though, is, like, how do you reconcile between trusting what somebody that you trust says? Because I believe you, obviously. And I know you're not the type of person that's going to go around and being like, here, hear my story. Check this out. Versus, like, that requirement to have evidence. And that is the crux of the problem with UFOs in general or any other conspiracy is being able to supply proof. And that's the other thing with the flat earth, like that gives them power is they're able to be like, look, I can take this picture right here and show that what I'm looking at is flat, but it depends on their perspective and what they're looking at. You know, like if you took some microscopic little being and put it on a basketball, it might think that it's this tiny little flat orange plane with uniform little mountains. Right. Right. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, uh, it's, it's an interesting. It's an interesting problem, and I think it takes an open mind. Some of them are just nutty, though. <laughs> well, the flat Earth one, I, I just can't. It's like I'm I'm Mexican, so the the uh, ability to have some sort of supernatural talk to the dead thing. I mean, it's not that far fetched. Dia de los Muertos. Yeah, yeah, I it's, love it's, the. I'll admit that is not that much far-fetched. And I'll probably even admit the fact that maybe my somewhere along the ways, my parents said, if you don't behave this 
certain way at a funeral or at a wake or whatever it is, then you don't have closure or whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's like I'm completely, I'm completely open to that. Although I'm positive I saw what I saw. Yeah, yeah. I got a qu- I got a quick question for you. Yeah. Actually, I I've always kind of felt like maybe it's like the moral compass aspect of it, but have you ever felt like even if there's no one around that there's like even if you're not even re- I'm not a very religious person because hmm. I'm mixed ethnicity. I'm mixed a half Jewish, half Christian. So hmm. I kind of had to research Wait, what I believe. Wait, who's the Jewish part? My mom. So I'm technically Jewish. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but ethnicity, DNA-wise, I'm half and half. Yeah. Okay. But for me, so I've always celebrated both, right? But to actually understand what I believed in, that required going to the library, hitting up that Dewey Decimal System, <laughs> and uh, figuring out what I wanted to figure out. Right. And, uh, yeah, so, I mean, that, that really dictates kind of where you go from there. And I just... For the most part, even without that religious background, there's always been a sense, like a spiritual sense that I can't explain where I'm like, you know what, even if no one is around, am I being judged by something? You know, is it a family member that's passed on that's watching over? Maybe they haven't released what they're, yeah. they had been doing on earth whatever like there's always that sense like that moral compass i've always kind of felt like religion is a uh, a way to kind of maintain control well but, of course yeah yeah cuz well, otherwise we're i mean okay this is sort of we're completely deviating yeah but religion gives the right or wrong exactly atheists don't have that cuz where are they going to get it from right but in my particular case I don't think it falls necessarily under that. I think that it falls under the fact that I had a connection with a cousin at a young age. And that, well, she committed suicide. So I'll just go ahead and say that. Okay. So she, she, she took her own life and I just didn't know my brain couldn't comprehend that. Like I didn't understand. you, You knew that at the time. I did. Wow. At 12. Yeah. And that, they, well, they told me. They just were like, Carlos has got to know. It, it, it was pretty known. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Like no one, no one, uh, yeah, no one put any effort into hiding the fact of what it was. So I think that it was just my brain saying, I don't know how to deal with this but i am super close with this person and the person the the reason that i was super close with this person is because she worked at a burger king and i like i like i i remember this where there were times where i went to this burger king and she would she worked there and she would give me food and then she'd be like hey like here little cuz right here little primo like whatever, whatever it may be, like whether it was a fry or some fries or whatever, and uh, and then poof, the next thing you know, someone is telling you that that she is that she's dead. Yeah. 
So it's like, I don't think that my brain knew what to do with that. So did that affect did that uh, ultimately uh, make it so that I would have some sort of weird reaction? Like a vision? Like a vision? Because that seems like her a, dad, yeah, her dad was my dad's brother, and my dad was sort of the quasi pillar of the family. So when everything, when anything happened, everyone would go to our house, right? So <clears throat> we had a bunch of people over. So I don't know. I mean, there's tons of, I, I, of course I want to rationalize it and say it wasn't really it, but the fact that I can still see it in my head 30 years later, that might be something. I see her face as clear as day yeah. in her car. And I remember the fear I felt. And then I remember the relief I felt going the back way to get back. You know, after I bought the tortillas. Yeah. It's like, I don't know. Is that something? I think, I think actually, I don't, I'm not here to psychoanalyze, obviously, but, but I definitely think that that experience could help give you that open mind that can help you dive down deep into YouTube to see different theories, to see different conspiracies, UFOs, whatever it may be. I think that that definitely might might be the thing that if I don't know if that triggered it I'm not saying that because I, yeah, I don't know I'm like, I've always had that. this though you, this isn't new even before even before yeah I've, yeah I've always like since I've this is probably the easiest memory that I can recollect ever yeah that's interesting like, I don't really have, I, I, I don't really remember, you know, stuff as a kid. <clears throat> but this particular memory from when I was 89, I think she passed in 89. So I was, um, yeah, I was 12. Yeah, that's that's a while ago, man. That and and the fact that it's actually so vivid that you could even recount that story yeah. here. So, and I can tell just by looking at you that 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 there's you know it's something that has affected you. This is my longest lasting memory that I've recalled the most times. Yeah, since I was twelve, is seeing my cousin in her car. Wow. That's incredible. As I was walking to the store. And then uh, this is probably the most public platform that I've told this story. I've told this story to a couple friends. Okay. Um, well, make sure you get it all out. Since, <laughs> since, since, since we're... No. Yeah. It's just... I, I, so because I, because I remember that, I think that my... My, uh, when I hear about all of these other crazy things, like whatever it could be, cults or 
the flat earth stuff or how much do you believe in aliens? It's like, like what happened to you when you were a kid mm-hmm. to make you think that? Yeah. Cause there had to have been something. Yeah. And I think we both kind of, I mean, I explained for myself, just going to the library to kind of learn things on my own mm. is like, that's like the primitive YouTube, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like you kind of, it's a slow burn, but you know, it's like, being there for three days is the equivalent of like 30 seconds of searching in the yeah. modern world. But, uh, it's, it's definitely a mentality that goes into it and it's an open mind that goes into it. And I, I definitely think that, you know, open minds gravitate towards each other and they don't do well around closed minds. And so it's a, uh, it's an interesting topic. That's for sure. Maybe, well, it has to come from, it has to come from what you are willing to accept, which is, I'll go ahead and just say like nature, like what in your past will allow you to accept this? Mm -hmm. So if your parents are a little on the, uh, I don't want to say nutty side, but if your parents are a little bit of the unorthodox side, will it be that hard to someone to say, you know, earth isn't flat or X and Y can exist? Mm-hmm. I think that some of it may be that. Absolutely. Yeah. And it is possible to like break on through whatever parental limits you might have had. Like later in life, you know, yeah. a lot of people can find things later, uh, especially nowadays. Either they're finding things later or they're revolting against what they grew up with. Yeah, that's possible too. Where they're just completely rejecting. So suppressed. So suppressed that it needs to, to break through. Yeah. In some fashion. You know, I think a lot of the conspiracy stuff is there's a lot of fakes out there and a lot of it's just star for attention. And that's a, uh, that's something that you kind of have to filter through. You have to filter out what you think is legit versus what isn't legit. And that takes like, hopefully people are analytical enough to be able to discern that sort of thing. Yeah. And that takes, you know, it just depends on how deep you're willing to go. I think if somebody is really interested in finding out like, okay, is this particular UFO, sighting or it's, it's this aspect of aliens, uh, whether it be like artificial moon or Nibiru or just standard, you know, Roswell crash or whatever, like, is it something that you care enough about to be able to filter out the bullshit, you know? Yeah. And that's, that's like, I think with the but flatter that takes stuff, time. I just take the flatter stuff and I throw it to the other side of the room <laughs> because I just I just think a lot of that stuff is a uh, star for attention. It's like a, I just, well, going back, I just don't get it. It's like <laughs> if you there's had, been so many videos about like w- how Earth would really look and feel and the physics and the gravity if it were flat. Yeah. And it just like nothing fits. Well, uh, so, some of the explanations are like, like talking about maps, like lines of longitude and latitude. 
when you're at the equator, you could have two lines of longitude that are hundreds, if not thousands of miles apart. And you could have both those people on those separate lines of latitude set their compasses to north. And when they get to the North Pole, they will both meet at the same point, which is right there evidence that the Earth is round. But you're not going to get two flat Earthers to go on a hike from the equator to the North Pole. Along Maybe the line should, of latitude. we should sponsor those. We should do that. Didn't some flat earther go up on some rocket? Yeah. I Did that ever turn out? Is it bad if I rooted for him to crash and be <laughs> severely injured? I mean, he looked like he went up on a rocket that was made like in 1960 Carnival. It looked like Joe Dirt. Yeah. You know, I got the poo on me. Did he go up? I think he failed. I, you know what? It just didn't ignite. I will say this. When I see a flat earth headline, I usually I'm like, I second guess my life choices. You know, so, point. you know, and this I is the worst it. part about this is that you have uh, dummies like, well, B.O.B. Oh, a rapper. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Kyrie and, Irving. Yeah. And, and also, well, and then you have um, Steph Curry. Yeah, he re- he he found out quick that that was not a smart move. Did he? Yeah, but they, he still he got, said it. Though. He got some backlash. Yeah, he still said it because these guys are in planes and they happen to look out at one point out of their window and they don't see the curvature of the Earth and they're like, you know what? You know, I think they should play basketball with a frisbee, and then just to get back at them, <laughs> <laughs> a rubber frisbee. It's like why? Why would you pick this hill to fight on? Uh, it's it's a weird choice. You know, I, I think it's like that uh, NBA does a really good job of uh, creating stars. Like it's that's the thing they're great at. You know, like at the NFL, I know we're like it's a deviating topic a little bit, but the NFL has that star power, but they're covered in helmets and pads and stuff. And baseball is kind of losing a lot of uh, attention. But the NBA is still like it's driven. It's a star driven league. Yeah. So some of these guys like Kyrie Irving and Steph Curry that have their own shoes and stuff, they have like they get to this point where they're like, you know, I got a lot of influence, and then they throw out the flat Earth. Yeah, thing. let me throw. It's out like this. let's see how far my influence spreads. Oh, yeah, it's it's too bad. I hope it. I hope that we look back on this decades later and like say, God, we were fucking retarded. Oh, I didn't. I can't believe that humans actually would go out to the world and claim they believe like in something like this. Like when we're fully uh, yeah, on Mars and yeah. then we can see Earth. Yeah, exactly. No, it's... it's And say, how could we listen to some knucklehead named Stephen Curry or Kyrie Irene? <laughs> Kyrie Irene. What's his name? Kyrie Irving. Kyrie yeah. Irving. Yeah. Is he even good? He's he's, he's pretty good. He's Does pretty he play good. for Boston? He he got he, I think he yeah he plays for Boston. He's not going anywhere. Yeah, he he got hurt in the playoffs last year. He didn't make it. They had to go. They tried to make the NBA Finals without him. So he yeah, he's an all right player. Who won the championship last year? Hey. Uh, I think it was the Wait, Warriors. Wait, is it going on now? Right now they're kind of going down the home stretch. So we'll see what oh, happens. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. They got. Do they, you know how much I hate LeBron? I had an idea because I'm wearing LeBron's right now. Oh my god! And you, you've mentioned to me that it, it's going to make me a half step Actually, slower. Actually, I I peed a little bit on your shoes. Yeah, is that what that is? I thought that maybe I spilled some toothpaste. Those are disgusting. Yeah, they're all black, all black shoes. Do you play ball in those? I do. 
Yeah. I've got, I'm, I'm those are actually, those are gross. Yeah. No, they're not very good looking, but I will they look say like correctional officer shoes. They look like, uh, if somebody put an ACE bandage around my foot and my ankle and then spray painted it black. Right. That's, that's what it looks like. But when you roll your ankle in this thing, instead of having a three month injury, it's like five days. Mm. So for me, it's worth it. So the white ones look better, but no, no, you don't like them. No. Yeah. You need to get some Kobe's. Some Kobe's. Yeah. The Kobe's are, the Kobe's are nice. I do. They're lighter. They're lighter. They're also low tops though, right? Mid. They're mid tops. They're mid tops. Interesting. They're mid tops. Yeah. I might have to try that out. Well, uh, (laughs) (laughs) Travis, we were supposed to talk about aliens. We did a little bit. But I think we did a great job. Yeah. And I think that our listeners are going to want to have you back. Yeah, I hope so. I'd like to be back. No, absolutely. Yeah. I think this is a I think this is a very good back and forth show. I want to invite everyone to subscribe, review, share. I have a donate button. Donate money. I have a donate button on my page. And this is U.S. currency. This is, well, I need a, I need a new interface. Yeah. I'm going to add a couple more microphones. I think within the next show, I'm going to have three people on the show. So there's the added expense of microphones, stands, cables. Of course. Um. I really do like this show because this is sort of a DV. This is completely different than what the last show was, which was a divorce attorney. This is a complete 180 from that. It is. I mean, but the other show was necessary. It's like you're lucky enough you haven't been through a divorce. That's right. I've been through a divorce. It sucks. It really does. It's horrible. I think (laughs) people probably look into it alien theories when they might be going through a divorce just maybe. to distract them. So maybe they'll listen to the podcast. Hopefully it's, you know, a little bit of, uh, of, uh, what, what am I trying to say? It's just, a little, a, it's just distraction. A little it's bit an, of a distraction, a little entertainment, but the, the, so her name is Stacy Hurd. Okay. She's the attorney I spoke to before. She asked me questions that my diverse, divorce attorney who through when I went through this, horrible process didn't ask and i wish that i had found someone that did yeah i hope it helps people out it did because yeah. it's like i mean if you're going through a divorce it's is a hundred percent emotional and there's a lot on the line too mega light um a lot on the line and a lot that you may not know that's on the line well and i bet if you're going through that it might be difficult to just kind of keep your life going you got to separate a little bit. Hmm. You got to distance yourself a little bit. Step outside of yourself. Be honest, self-aware. But it is a lot easier to do that if you have an attorney that can ask the right questions. Yeah. And that's what uh, the Stacy Heard from Seattle Family Law Practice can do. So... Yeah, I'll throw her information in the show notes, too. Uh, but that was a super important show. But this show is more about fun. Talking to my buddy, uh, Travis. We're going to have Travis back on to talk about full-on aliens. Yeah. 
Because I don't know where I stand on the aliens. Yeah. Like, do I believe or don't don't I believe? Yeah, and and the thing is, I don't I don't think you necessarily have to decide that now. You might not ever know. You might not never know if you believe or don't so believe. So people but, are going to listen to this. It's like they're going to think ancient aliens. Yeah, that, ancient aliens is ancient. Let's let's talk about modern aliens. No, <laughs> but they still do ancient stuff. Yeah. Well, the point is, is a, a lot of the. Uh, the arguments against aliens and UFOs is that, oh, well, why did it start right in World War II era and then this point forward? But yeah. there is actually a lot of evidence that ties into ancient aliens. So I think that show well, does the, have merit. Well, but ancient, ancient alien theorists believe. <laughs> is that what they say on ancient aliens? Yes, they, they absolutely say that. They say ancient alien theorists believe that tons of Bible stories are based off of aliens. That's right. Tons of Indian stories are based off of aliens. And tons of South American stories. This is, okay. I don't know exactly where I land on this, but I do think that it is super interesting that pyramids all over the world tend to be created in the same longitude latitude and they're separated by oceans and they're at, separated at a time by when oceans. people didn't really navigate oceans and yeah these guys are building pyramids it's kind like, of an interesting thing it is a little bit interesting to say it's like the dudes that made egypt pyramids then they decided to get on the boat and then go to mexico and built the mayan stuff probably but not still in the same parameters in the same directions that the Egyptian stuff was. That's a little bit interesting. Yeah, it's 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 definitely interesting. And, and then how uh Indians in Peru were able to cut stone at such a precise level. In such a precise sharp smooth yeah, you're talking method about, that they did. You're talking about Teotihuacan. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm interested. Like, how did that happen? Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I mean, you you would actually need almost machinery to be able to cut cut some of those grooves, like how they are how they're done. Like, so I mean, slave labor can take you can take you so far, but it's still slave labor. Yeah, the issue with that show that I think a lot of people would bring up is anything that's in question. It's like just attribute it to aliens. So they're almost like they'll slam other people for, ha for having certain beliefs, but at the same time, they are kind of cherry picking evidence to be able to support their beliefs. So it this, it, it, it's having an open mind and looking at like what you just said, like, how did they cut that? How, why are these pyramids being built in the exact same way spread across oceans in a time when people didn't navigate the oceans like they did? You know, it's an interesting, yeah. it's, there's some interesting uh, topics here. I mean, even the Nazca lines, you know, like, you know, those things look like runways. Like, these things can't be seen from, you know, we didn't even notice a lot of those patterns until we actually had aircraft that could go up there and look at it. Yeah. And now you got drunk idiots that are taking their ATVs and messing up the lines. I don't know if you heard about that. No, I haven't. De uh, desecrating uh, ancient Nazca lines. That's wow. Pretty awful. It's like those Chileans don't know how to <laughs> protect... Pr right. Protect their own stuff. Yeah. Protect their own stuff. 
Yeah, it's it's. But there's just yeah, there's just so much to talk about. So well, we can dive into that more at another time. I think we sure. definitely should. Yeah, I think this show was awesome because we got to talk about. I mean, just we got to talk about a lot of stuff. Yeah, we hit we hit a lot of different topics. We did. Yeah, I'm I think bit, it was super I, good. I can be scatterbrained at times, so yeah. <laughs> By default, I am scatterbrained. Yeah, so that we hit a lot for sure. I think what I want, I think what I want right now is like a hamburger. Well, you are on the right side of the lake to go to Dick's Hamburgers, which is a uh, something as an east sider. I can't say that because they put the the latest one at the south the south side. Which is going to get torn up now. Should we go get some? Uh, that might be a good idea. Did you drive here? I did. What do you drive? Nice little Civic. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. <laughs> some Dick's Burgers might sound good. All right. You just, well, yeah, that's that's some Northwest flavor right there. You talk oh. about keeping the show Northwest. You just mentioned a key pillar. Dick's hamburgers. Yeah. They're good. Well, thank you, Travis. Yeah, thank you for having me. This is great. I want to encourage everyone to like, subscribe, share, review, and then I'll talk about this uh, donate button again. The donate button is important because it'll just keep the show going. I mean, I want to have more important people up here and they're eventually going to ask me, like, hey, cover my traveling cost which I will definitely want to do, but I will need those people. I will need you, uh, our followers, to click on that donate button. A buck, two bucks, I'll be happy with that. So like, subscribe, share, post. Email is czmediapodcast at gmail.com. Questions, topics, suggestions, whatever you think will help us make a better show. I'll be happy to hear that. Look for us on iTunes, Stitcher, or my website, Carlos, C-A-R-L-O-S, dash Zamora, Z-A-M-O-R-A, dot com. And Travis, thank you, sir. We'll have you back. Talk about UFOs. Oh, yeah. Thank you, and we'll see you soon. Say bye. Later, guys.